Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Father, open eyes tonight, illuminate hearts, uh, meet us in your word, encourage us, uh, infuse us with strength and energy for all the things that we need to face this week. And we give all the honor in advance for all you do in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Open your Bibles to 1 Timothy, um, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1. And we're going to begin with the first verse and establish a little context. Then we're going to get to our place of focus uh, around maybe 5, 6 or, or, or 7. Um, it begins here, Paul's writing by the Holy Spirit. He said, Paul, an apostle. Uh, some translate that ambassador. Uh, Paul w- saw himself as a special uh, envoy, special messenger, or a person on assignment for uh, God. Uh, an apostle of Jesus Christ, watch this, by the will of God. Man did not call him, so man could not stop him. Likewise, if God sets you, no human being can break you. And if God's for you, who can what be against you? And it's vital, you know, when we step out and do certain things in life, we know that we've heard from the Lord and that the Lord's behind what we're doing. He didn't just kind of show up and say, well, you know, I have a, a message to, to share. He had clearly heard from God and he was sent by God to the people he ministered to. Um, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, this mattered because at this point in history, Paul was in a deep, uh, dark, cold, damp uh, prison cell. And actually, if you go to, to Rome, um, you, you, you can actually visit the Mamertine prison where he uh, stayed at this time. But Paul had a revelation of eternity. And uh, when you get a, a revelation of eternity, it tends to change your, your perspective. It also begins to change your priorities. So here he is in, in prison. And uh, but but, you know, he most people with, with lesser minds would be focused on their pain and their difficulty. But but I want you to, 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 to know a truth. Unless Jesus returns, all of us, all of us have an appointment with death. The only variance is that, uh, you know, some of our appointments uh, will be earlier than others. So we all almost live ready. And even if, you know, we, 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 we weep and we, we, we uh, mourn over those who uh, depart this life early, but the reality is we're all going to depart at some point. And it's just, we just don't particularly know uh, what the day or, or the hour will be. And then he says to Timothy, Watch the the next phrase he uses to describe Timothy, a beloved son. Now, Timothy was not Paul's biological son. That that, that was just not the case, and the Bible bears it out. But what we see here is that our spiritual relationships can be as powerful as our natural relationships. I I think, you know, one of the greatest needs today is for fathers to reemerge in the church. Folks and and men and and women that are not trying to just get things from sons and daughters, but really trying to get things to sons and daughters. We we need adults in the room that will love us and, and guide us and protect us. And Paul was such a man. He said to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. Spurgeon made a comment that has stuck with me for probably about 20 years. Um, he, he said that in all of Paul's epistles, he usually or typically begins with grace and peace. But when he writes ministers, he has to add uh, a special word. He says, uh, grace, peace, and 
mercy or grace, mercy, and peace. Why? Because no one needs mercy more than, than someone who speaks for God, more than someone that shares the, the, the gospel with others. And it's not so much that we hold our leaders to a different standard. That would not be fair if we did that. But we require them to live uh, closer to that standard if they're worth following. And I don't understand how some people follow, you know, some of these sideways pastors. They got six baby mamas in the congregation and, and everyone is good with it. I don't understand all that, but, 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 you know, love them and, and, you know, wish the best for them, but that's not the church I, I plan to attend. Now, you know, all of us have feet of clay and there's our pastors and, and every Christian leader, they're human beings and, and they have issues. But, uh, when you have, you know, repetitive over and over and over and over again stuff, uh, and you follow that type of leadership, you just open up your life, uh, to, to a whole bunch of mess. Verse three, he said, I thank God. Now, Paul begins all his letters uh, with, with thanks. Uh, imagine if we were the same way and we punctuated all our conversations with gratitude and thanking God for the person, not, not just with bitterness about what the person didn't do, but really celebrating uh, the person. Uh, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. So he's saying, listen, I have no ulterior motives. I'm not trying to get anything from you again. Like I said, I'm just trying to get things to you. He, Paul didn't live a life or, or operate in ministry just looking out for number uh, one. He was trying to really be an asset or add value to everyone that, that was around him. And, and the highest form of giving, this is important, is giving to people knowing that only God can pay you back. And, you know, whether I sow in the church and in the work of the ministry, I know only God's going to pay me back. Whether I, when, I, when I give to someone in need and I know that, you know, they'll, they'll never be able to return the favor, I know that I've entered into a high place. Uh, ultimately, that's what God did when he gave his son. There's really nothing we can offer God back to deserve Jesus Christ. So, uh, you know, God was so gracious. He just gave his only begotten son. Whoever believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. Likewise, uh, when you really know the Lord and you really walk with God, you too become a giver. You look for opportunities to give. And uh, there are even things many of you are doing today that it will be 50 years from now. Um, you'll see the fruit. You know, those given into the building fund. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, the... Um, advance fund. Uh, there'll be people walking down the aisles 50 years from now, giving their life to Jesus. And it would all be because of the things that we are doing right now and right here. He says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. So we see here that Paul celebrated his Jewish Heritage, And there's nothing wrong with celebrating your particular heritage. You know, I happen to be an African-American. I couldn't imagine, you know, being anything else except the way uh, God created me. I, I was supposed to look like this. I was supposed to be an African-American in this time and in this day. And you ought to be whatever God made you. Maybe you're from Honduras. Maybe you're from Ethiopia. Maybe you're from Nigeria. Maybe you're from China. Maybe your people come from uh, France, uh, England, or, or what have you. Your skin color, your, your the texture, even the thickness of your thighs, all of that is part of God's design. And it's not an accident. You just need to work what you got. You need to work whatever it is, whether it's dark skin, middle skin, uh, real, real light skin, white skin, whatever you got, you need to work what you got because it's a gift from God and be grateful for who you are and the people that God used through history to make it possible for you to be here today. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers night and day. Now, he was in really, really terrible conditions, but 
again, Paul's not feeling sorry for himself. He's not moaning and groaning about his personal uh, hurts. His heart was filled with prayer and concern for other people while he's in this, this moment. Verse four, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears. Now, it seems here, it seems, you know, when you read first and second Timothy, it seems that Timothy had a very, very tender heart. And uh, uh, Paul had to constantly coach him to, to not let his tender heart get in the way uh, of, of, of standing up for the gospel, standing up for righteousness, standing up for truth. And, and this is really important. You need to have a, a tender heart, but also a strong mind if you want to do anything for the Lord with your life. And uh, Timothy, again, tender heart, a pastor's heart, cared about people, but uh, you could be so tender hearted that you don't really protect the sheep. And it's vital that a shepherd, you know, uh, mends the sheep and, and pours oil into the sheep, takes care of the sheep, leads the sheep. But also a shepherd needs to protect from wolves. The shepherd also needs to sometimes sternly direct. And uh, you have to have both of these things if you're going to be a healthy uh, leader. Uh, that's true for pastors, but it's also true for parents. Uh, you need to be loving and patient and kind and, and pour oil and, and help your child. But also at the same time, you have to create boundaries, healthy boundaries. And, and sometimes you need to say no. That's part of parenting and that's part of pastoring. And what I like to say is when I'm, I'm around, say, a great evangelist, that brings out the evangelist in me. When I'm around a great pastor, that brings out the pastor in me. Uh, when, when I'm around a great teacher, it, it gr brings out uh, understanding and, and teaching ability, if you will, in, in me. And, and likewise, I like in pastoring to uh, parenting because in a lot of ways, that's what it is. Because what did Paul call Timothy? My son. And he likens his role in Timothy's life to a father. So uh, you can learn a lot from this. Why you need to select your pastor properly. Uh, you can learn a lot about parenting from your pastor and uh, may your pastor bring out um, good parenting in you, good leadership in you so that you can accomplish the things God wants you to do in your life. He says, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears. Again, Timothy is, has a sensitive heart that I may be filled with Joy. Now, most people would say, well, you know, I'll be filled with joy when I get out of this prison and when, when I'm OK and everything's good. But Paul was happy if he could just see Timothy, because that's where, really where his heart was. He loved people. People matter. Relationships matter. The only one that matters more than people is God. And to, uh, Paul understood this. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith. Now, he's in prison. And obviously he's remembering or reflecting on Timothy and his actually his entire family. We're going to see that in just a second. But it says that Paul is calling to, to mind his genuine faith, which implies that we can have disingenuous or, or uh, less than genuine or not so genuine faith. And, and frankly, you know, in all these years of ministry, the most painful uh, stories that I tell are often uh, stories that came from folks that 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 I, I thought was a brother or sister, but time proved they they, they really uh, were not. You see, discernment is the the ability to see yourself and others as they are, not just how you want them to be. And sometimes you can. Uh, put on people what you want them to be, what, what you wish they would be, maybe even what you would be if you were them. 
But, you know, discernment is seeing things as they really are with the lens of God's word and Holy Spirit. You know them by their what? Fruit, not by their intentions. So with that, uh, you know, again, almost every painful experience was from a... Uh, uh, a false brother or sister, someone that kind of claimed something, wore a title that they didn't really deserve. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, Timothy, which first dwelt in your grandmother, Lois. Now, this is one of the two verses I want to focus on today. Uh, it seems here that uh, his grandmother, Timothy's grandmother, Lois, was the first to believe uh, in the family. And after that, though, her faith was, was real and genuine. She passed it on to her daughter. Let's keep reading. The genuine faith that is in you, Timothy, which first dwelt in your grandmother, that's uh, not his mother, uh, his mother's mother, uh, Lois, and now, then he mentions his, mo her, his mother, and your mother, Eunice. Now, when we take a look at Acts 16 and 1, we see that Timothy's father was a Greek. He was not a uh, believer, as his mother was, at least initially. I'm sure probably over time, uh, he also gave his life to the Lord. But what I want you to see here is the fact that uh, his daddy was not saved, did not stop his mother from properly training Timothy in the way he should go. And we see here the importance or the power of, of a, uh, a godly mother in the life of a child. Even in an ungodly home, a godly mother can make an, a tremendous impact. But we also see here too, and this is really, really important, the importance of godly grandparents. Now, you know, you know, grandparents, just because you raised yours doesn't necessarily mean that, that you're done and that, that it's over for you. God wants us to impact generations. So it started with grandma, mama got it, uh, but then Timothy got it. But uh, a lot of it, or, or a good measure, really started with grandma. So, you know, grandmas and granddads, you can impact your grandchildren with your faith. So do it. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded is also in you, or in you also. So what we see in this verse is that genuine faith, not pseudo faith, not fake faith, not, uh, you know, uh, just getting churchy every now and then, but genuine faith can be passed on to your children. So this is why you need to keep it real with God and also keep it real with your children. These were not phonies. These were not people just in church trying to get their next blessing. And if they didn't get the blessing, they're, they're out of the church. These were people that loved Jesus. These were people that were committed to the word. These women had real faith in God. They trusted God and probably uh, even were, were the reason that God brought the husband. And again, I'm assuming there that he did, but I believe he, he, he came uh, to faith. But, you know, I know in my household, you know, I'm not a perfect parent, but I always kept it 100% with my children. I, I, I've been very, always honest, you know, I didn't even pretend, you know, about Santa Claus. I didn't lie to my kids. Um, you know, if they, I didn't want them to say, well, he's wrong about Santa Claus, so he's probably wrong about Jesus too. No, we, we kept it 100%. If there was a problem or issue, uh, you know, I, you know, it was age appropriate, but they knew there were some problems and issues. I didn't pretend that we had a perfect church and every Christian was perfect. And, and to be a Christian, you had to be perfect. None of that was, was, was by God's grace in our uh, home. Uh, verse six, 
Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God. Now, Paul is saying that in light of the faith that he's confident lived in Timothy at this time, he's saying, Timothy, I need you to stir up that thing or that gift that God has placed in you. Now, this, this may surprise you, but the gifts of God that, that he places in our lives need maintenance and they need attention. Meaning God may gift you, uh, but if you don't use it, you might, uh, you, you might lose it. When I say lose it, you lose the power of it. Uh, there might be some semblance of it that, that, that remains because his gifts and callings are without repentance. But in, the language used here uh, is not saying so much that Timothy's flame was going out. That's not the accusation. That's not what Paul is saying. What he's saying, though, is basically, Timothy, your flame is not burning as bright as it used to. That's that that's powerful. He's saying, I'm not saying you, you lost your fire. I'm just saying you and I both know it's, it's not as 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 it once was. And many of us now we haven't lost it uh, completely, but we know it's not as bright. It's not as powerful. It's not as hard, hot. It's not as fervent as it once was was. And that's the challenge. We got to keep, the Bible says, be fervent in spirit. We got to keep that fervency. We got to, uh, I can't quite explain it, but there's, you know, you know, when you're going through the motions, but you know, also when it's alive and living and Timothy was at a, at a place where he was, you know, going through some motions and he had some momentum behind him and, and it was a real faith and, and a real walk with God. But, uh, at this point in his journey, it wasn't as, as strong as it once was. And, and I know for me, I often look back uh, on, on days, man, when, when I would do anything for God and, and he just say, go, I go. Uh, I mean, I take any risk and all that type of thing. I, I, I reflect on those days. I celebrate those days because I always want to be willing to do whatever he says, whenever uh, he wants to do. And what happens is over time, sometimes life gets a little more complicated, more responsibilities come on you. And with that, sometimes we can pull away uh, from the, 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 the passion. You could, it's kind of like being married for a long time. You can just get into a routine and, and you begin to, 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 to not have the same spice and flair and you just kind of do what you've always done. And, and it's not as special as it once was. And uh, uh, I, I've learned to pay attention to that and not only to be satisfied with the fact that, you know what, I have a, a flame. The question is, is the flame burning to the, the, the extent God wants it to. Am I uh, red hot with the love of God? I mean, am I just kind of, you know, hanging in there or am I really burning on fire for God? He says, therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of what my hands. So this is why we need leaders in our lives. Uh, Peter, I'm sorry, Paul laid hands on Timothy. And when he laid hands on Timothy, power was released there. There's anointing. And um, this is why, you know, we even have breakthrough services. I don't always know what's happening when, when I lay hands on people, but God knows. And, and the Bible actually calls the laying on of hands one of our foundational doctrines in the book of Hebrews. I believe it's chapter four or so. And uh, things are imparted through the laying on of hands, uh, freedom, liberty, uh, power, uh, special faith, and uh, all, all those types of, 
uh, of things. So, you know, uh, I'm sure Timothy had various talents, and I'm sure you do too, but they're also special gifts that were God specially. I mean, he just specially, he releases his power, so he supernaturally enables us to do more than what we can do. See, I, I know when I'm just talking, but I also know when the Holy Spirit is helping me speak. I know when I'm just singing. I know when the Holy Spirit's helping me sing. I know when I'm just, you know, engaged in making a decision, but I also know when God's really dropped something in my heart and it was much more than my uh, personal ability. And, and the gift of God is not just talent. The gift of God is a supernatural enablement to do more than you could ever naturally uh, do. But what I want you to notice here is Timothy did not need a new gift. He did not say, Timothy, I want you to pray that God uh, pours out his spirit from heaven. Timothy, I want you, uh, I want you to go pray that uh, uh, God uh, gives you a, a new gift. Uh, that was not what, what happened here. He just said, Timothy, I need you to stir up what you already have. 90% of the time, we don't really need uh, anything new. We just need to better handle, better manage what we already have. So Timothy already had what it took, but he had to stir up what he had. And many of us, it's kind of a cop out. and We got to pay attention to the way we're thinking. We say, well, I can't. And, and there's some truth to that. No, you can't in your own strength. You can't. But you say that as if God has not given you ability that comes from him to do what you need to do. Yes, you can. But Christ in you, the hope of glory. And he has put in you whatever it takes to get through your particular day. Every now and then you reach a point where it's like, Lord, you know what? I don't even think that you've ever given me what it took or what it takes to get through this moment. And with that, God might do something new. But 90 percent of the time. Typically, we already have everything it takes. But even if you look at that just from a biblical perspective, we already have the Holy Spirit. Nothing takes more than the Holy Spirit. You with me? You don't need a new Holy Spirit. You already have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. So if the Holy Spirit is with you, you already have everything you need that pertains to life and godliness. He's already with you and in you and, and he wants to operate through you. So it's not about, you know, I don't know why some people, they get stuck on, Lord, pour out your spirit on us again. And there, there's a place, and please understand, there, there's a place for re-infilling of the Holy Spirit. In fact, I hope God fills me daily, if you will, with, with, with a fresh Holy Spirit. But I'm not saying I need a new one. And that's sometimes the thinking when we sing some of the songs we sing. It's like, I need a different Holy Spirit. No, the Holy Spirit in you is more than enough. His grace is sufficient. You already have everything you need to get through the situation you're in. You just need to tap into the power that you already had. He said, stir up the gift that is within you through the laying on of my hands. I know for me, often the way I stir up the gifts in me is through praying in the spirit. I will pray in tongues and I'll hear things and I'll, I'll know things and, and it just stirs up my gift. I, I can't quite explain it. I, I've watched others, they play the piano and, and then they'll, they'll, they'll begin to prophesy and it just stirs up their gifts. Others, you know, you just, you just sit under the word and that begins to stir up the gifts in you. You get answers to your parenting problems. You get answers to, to, you know, things that you want to, you have to deal with on a job or maybe even get a business idea. So there's different ways to stir up our gifts, but he's assigned Timothy. He said, man, you need to stir it up. You need to get as hot as you once were at, at other points in your life. And then he goes on in verse seven. 
For God has not given us a spirit of fear. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.